You're listening to Under a Red Glow, a photography podcast covering the wide spectrum of the art and history of photography with an emphasis on chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes. Be sure to visit us at www.underaredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Under a Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker. I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, and demonstrates nearly every photographic process in history, including modern digital gear and techniques. And with me in studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes and is our entry-level process and kids' class instructor. While I take a breath, welcome, Christine. Hello. Good morning. (laughs) I don't want to automate that. I don't want to pre-record that. (laughs) But I try to get through it as quickly as possible. And one of these days, I'm going to get good at that that intro. Because Uh when we don't do the intro... People are like, hey, you need to talk to people and tell people, you know, what, you know, who you are. But when we do, it's like, oh, it's too long. <laughs> What's going on? We've had an interesting week. We got back from the wet plate jamboree last weekend, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So much fun. And we're getting ready for a couple events coming up. Uh, two steampunk events and including one um one steampunk event in uh, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and yep. that is the Key City Steampunk Festival. Come out and see us there. And then we'll also be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I think that is, I think that's like the 20th and 21st. Is that a, I, uh, is that a real that date? That weekend is, uh, without the calendar in front of me. 21st and 20th. Key City is 14th and 15th. PA Steam Fest is the 21st and 22nd. Now, Key City, we're just we're just doing tintypes and uh, and digital photography. We'll be doing uh, digital downloads and prints on site, and we and we always do that because we want to make sure that if you come and you want a photo and maybe you can't afford a tintype, tintypes are expensive. Then we give you a digital option as well, and. Uh, and yeah, so we're we're hoping to uh, you know we want to make sure everybody can get something uh, from us. So we'll 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 be doing, uh, yeah, we'll be doing the the digital and the tintype at Key City, and then at PA Steam Fest in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We're outside, <clears throat> and and I haven't had a very good ch- luck at getting questions answered about. What we're doing, <laughs> I think there's a lot of chefs stirring the pot, and uh, and I need to at, at the beginning of next week I'm going to I'm going to see about okay, can I talk to somebody on the phone? I have I have three major questions I need answered before I can even begin the plan, and yeah, yeah. So um, I I do know that I'm speaking both Saturday and Sunday from twelve to like quarter to one. I've got two. I've got two forty-five minute speaking engagements, and I, I want to ask. I want to ask if if people think that, you know, I've seen some of the other. Um, I've seen some of the other presenters, 
and we're definitely very unique in what we're presenting. We're presenting on the history of photography with a, a maker kind of twist. But PA STEAM Fest, the S-T-E-A-M, stands for Science, Technology, uh, Engineering, Art. Is it art or architecture? I think it's art. Art and makers. And I've seen, ST, I've seen STEM and I've seen STEAM moved around so many different times that either way, it's, it's a STEAM Fest that is really catering towards the makers and the people that are into the STEM and the STEAM fields, which is really cool. I think it's a very cool twist on a steam, on a steam, uh, steampunk kind of thing. And my, and my presentation is going to be the, the history of photography, which is kind of generic anyway, but it's going to be catering towards understanding how it works, kind of some of the chemistry and uh, and the artistic, uh, you know, kind of uh, leaning into the chemistry, the artistic, and I I still need to work on, you know, uh, I need to work on a, a takeaway, and I've heard that the room holds two hundred people, so nice. it's it's uh, I I'm not going to print flyers, but one of my one of my slides in my presentation, I'll say get out your phones, take a photo of this, and it'll be like an exclusive link to um, our website where they can download a little maker packet that has everything that I've discussed. Plus I want to get in there and, and give them a good, here's how to make anthotypes. And I really want to um, get some good examples of chlorophyll prints and have them do chlorophyll prints as well. Nice. And if you are a supporter or a Patreon of us, I will, I'm going to be giving that packet out at, um, to our, to our supporters as well. Or if you're not and you're in the area, stop by uh, PA Steam Fest and, uh, and, and, and see me. I think I'm in the blue room. At least that was the initial kind of thing. Blue room, starting at noon, history of photography with a maker, with a maker twist. So I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. I look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. I'm not, I'm not too happy about being outside, but the thing is this place is small. Every everybody's outside so so the problem is is we want to do the same thing we want to make tin types and we don't want to do digital for people but um yeah if, if if inclement weather i mean we're kind of sol yeah oh well it happens we're trying to have we're trying to have plenty of extra stuff like our cyanotype kits uh we do a lot of cyanotype prints and um, and I don't think I'm going to be getting any other alternative process stuff ready by then. But I know we can knock out a bunch of cyanotype stuff, which typically does well. And and we want to build some. Uh, we want to. We've, we've gotten some some cigar boxes, and we want to build some pinhole cameras out of that. And maybe we'll have them ready by by PA Steam Fest. Hopefully. <clears throat> well, as Christine said, we're going to talk about uh, our trip to uh, the Wet Plate Jamboree. With uh, with with absolutely one of the the best, and uh, in, in a in a wet plate photographer's mind, one of the best wet plate photographers um, that we have uh, in the in the probably in the world, uh, John Coffer up in upstate New York, and we will discuss that as soon as we take a moment for our sponsor. Okay, Christine, the wet plate jamboree. That was a lot of fun. Tell tell everybody what a what a wet plate jamboree is. Well, John Coffer is a interesting fella, and he has an interesting history. 
He started off in Florida and gave it all up to and went across country with horses and a wagon and ended up in upstate New York where he has a farm that is not on the grid. He has (laughs) maybe a couple solar panels, but that's about the extent of his electricity. His bathroom is an outhouse, even in the dead of winter, whenever there's snow on the ground, which in upstate New York can be quite considerable. And his bathtub is next to a campfire, so that is how he heats his water. He's a very interesting gentleman. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And wow, to to be able to live off the grid like that, is just I mean it is it is just a goal and and not just to not just to be off the grid but but man just to just to be able to be self um self sustaining i he, guess he has all sorts of animals and in the middle of all this he's creating wet plates and art and he invites everyone who does the process to come to his farm every August and we all get together and everyone photographs wet plates or whatever alternative processes they want to do. Now, John, John does a lot of, a lot of workshops through the year, but the jamboree is not for everybody. You've got to be, and you've got to, you've got to, You've got to prove to him that you are a practicing wet plate photographer. Because what he doesn't want is he doesn't want somebody coming up there expecting free lessons, which it isn't. This is not a free lesson thing. This is a come up, make art, and and I love that. I love the aspect of okay, we're we're you're around so many other people that their their sole goal is to make art that weekend. But don't get me wrong, you can still learn things from the other people and see the way other people do certain parts of the process. You can, but you're not going to get a workshop out of it. You're not going to get a start in wet plate photography, um, but you may learn a different technique with something that you may want to try. I mean, we we had heard about a a new development process, and, and it's something that... I've done accidentally, but I didn't know. I mean, we kind of know that the development, uh, you know, kind of keeps going when you when you just sit it in a tray of water. But this uh, this does it on purpose, and um, and it's something that I've I don't know. I've I'm not. I need to I need to work with it and see if I can get it to the point where I like it. But typically, when you're when you're photographing, uh, you need to. Uh, you want to you want to get the developer off as quickly as possible, but there are a little there are little secret uh, uh, tips and tricks to this new development process that, um, you know, you need to you need to either take a workshop with John or or be an established wet plate photographer and and go to the jamboree and find out about it yourself. Right. Now, I had never taken. I've I've known friends that have taken. Um, I've met friends that have, that I met at the Jamboree who have taken workshops with John and I hear his workshops are fantastic. Um, when I started out in wet plate collodion, I just started reading the old books and 
if I had taken a workshop, I would have gotten, I would have gotten to where I was happy quicker. But that just kind of isn't my thing. I like I like beating myself up by trying to to learn it on my own. And there are some people that do that, and there's no problem with that. But there are, you know, there are a lot of people that you can take a workshop from and get get up and running in like two days, versus you know several weeks of just making you know a couple plates a day but um once i was already established i did buy um i who did i buy i bought i bought quinn jacobson uh quinn is out in colorado and uh, one of the other uh great names uh, that in my opinion in uh, in wet plate collodion uh, photography and uh and workshops and artistic ability so if you're out there and you know around colorado and looking for somebody i definitely recommend him just like i recommend john if you're in upstate new york but um i bought quinn's manual because you know you kind of you kind of learn a little bit about how different people do this and and quinn's very methodical into the point where you know, you need you know he's 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 mixing everything in a clean room he's mixing everything um with uh you know with with gloves and masks and 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 aprons and everything and he's very uh i don't want to say clean room but he's very clean room and very um what's the word i'm looking for i don't want to use the word scientific because john is very scientific as well let, let me just say quinn mixes everything in a clean dark room john mixes everything out in the farm with chickens running around so the problem is when you look at quinn's method you're thinking, oh no, I need to have everything clean. I need to be, you know, everything wiped down. I can't have. Maybe I need a HEPA filtration. Maybe I, I don't want any dust. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then when you see John's style, it it completely relaxes you because you know you can be anywhere, as as and and I say this lovingly to Quinn. You could be anywhere as crazy as Quinn, or as laid back as John, and you can make things happen. So that's why I love I love the contrast between Quinn and John, and and I think I think is as long as you're somewhere in the middle there, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be completely happy. Right. Yeah. Okay, Christine. On the way up to the jamboree, what did we do? We stopped at Eagle Claw Falls at Havana Glen State Park. That was really nice. We left early. This year was the 20th anniversary of the jamboree. And we knew it was going to be a ton of people. We left early on Thursday, and uh, and then we were we were meeting a friend up there, and we met uh, we met our friend at the. We were hoping to get to John's early, set up, kind of claim our spot, and then go back down to the town of Watkins Glen, or I think this was Montour Falls, and it was the Havana Glen State Park, Eagle Claw Falls, a very nice. And you kind of wouldn't expect those such a nice falls to be in a little such a little small state little state park with camping. Yeah, it was really interesting. You you think like okay, this fall these falls is going to be tiny, and you get out there and you you drive to the end, and it wasn't a long walk at all, maybe two three minute walk. Now they did have some did have a couple steep stairs, but they were they were metal stairs with a handrail. Uh, anybody that can that can traverse stairs could get up there just as just perfectly, and and this and this waterfall there was just magnificent. Yeah, there were a couple of them on that part of the river there, and it was really nice. Right, but the big one, 
the big one at the end was was just amazing. And it really does look like an eagle hanging over the falls. Yes, it's kind of like how how the rock broke on the cliff face there. Yes, it looks that it, it, it looks like an eagle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was very nice. And then we got a nice dinner at Watkins Glen. Yeah, we went into Watkins Glen, and we were going to go to a brew pub. Yeah, it was a brew pub, and I can't remember what. Yeah, they were. They had said something because of, because of, the thing, they couldn't do. Um, they couldn't do certain things, and they couldn't. And and their 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 kitchen was was limited, and they were they had to limit the amount of people. They had to limit the amount of employees, and it must have been a personal choice, because we weren't going to do that. We wanted food. We wanted beer. We went down to a place called Nichols Pit Barbecue. Yeah. Every single table was completely filled. Um, every single table, uh, they 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 were hopping, and I mean, we even had it was they were so busy. We even had what a thirty-five minute wait. Yeah. And they said, "Here, go go get a beer, and then you can sit out." And they had these these they even had these little metal tables and chairs on the sidewalk. And I asked, I said, "Are, are we allowed to take the beers?" past the gate and sit on those tables. This is yeah, as long as you don't work any further than that, you're okay. So we sat there and we drank for a while and and you got called and we went in and and that was really good. It was really good food. They had a great amount of of barbecue sauces, of sauces on the table, but they were either vinegary or super hot. There yeah. kind of wasn't a mix in the middle and I would have loved something and they had a ketchup based, but it was like it was like it was like you took a bottle of ketchup and you and you you blew some wood smoke on it because <laughs> it almost tasted ju- it, it was very ketchupy and I'm not like a barbecue. Give me some, get me like a standard barbecue, maybe a honey, like a honey barbecue, and and I'm in I'm in heaven. Yeah. But the th- but the thing is, is everything we had there was fantastic. The beer was cold. They had a lot of great stuff on tap. It was absolutely, uh, it was absolutely a good, good food. And then what did we do? We, 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 we thought we, about going to John's, but mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be muddy and I didn't want to set up in the dark and then discover that we picked the muddiest hole. And yeah. so we got a hotel for the night. Right. And then first thing in the morning went to John's. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't want to go at, at night. And I'm, and like, like Christine said, we're glad, we're glad we didn't because, it's a farm. It's a farm field. And what you think you're standing on mud, it's it's probably a, a mix of mud and a little bit of poo. Because, you know, you fertilize your fields and it just happens. We got there. We, we found a hotel. Where did we stay in? Horseheads? Yeah. We stayed in Horseheads in a little hotel. And it was a extremely dated hotel. It was, I mean, it was kind of like... This is where we die tonight. It wasn't that bad. It was very dated. Dated. It was dated. We were the only people there minus one other car that came. And it was kind of in a cul-de-sac. Kind of like the, the the front of the hotel. And we said, hey, why don't we stay by the front? Because, you know, people probably get hobo stabbed back there. And they're like, oh, well, the front rooms are smoking only. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's not good. So we got in. 
we run around the back of the hotel and, and the hotel kind of had a U shape. So we felt kind of closed in anyway, but got in extremely dated. I mean, it, the, the bathroom was coral <laughs> and it was clean. It was very clean. It was very, very clean. And that's my number one thing. I don't care how dated it is. You can have a disco ball hanging from the ceiling, but as long as it's clean, I have no problem. And we had no problem. It was it was a nice day. Everything was perfectly clean. We didn't get hobo stabbed. <laughs> and we you know, we had the we had the car with our entire we brought in you know, we brought in anything that was uh, you know, money. Um the cameras were packed like deep in the middle of the car. Yeah. I mean it would have taken you probably a half hour of stealing things from the from the car in order to get to the camera anyway. But we brought in uh, digital cameras. We brought in laptops. We brought in all kinds of fun stuff. Oh, by the way, I get to update. Uh, I get to update the Nikon story. Oh yeah. I'm oh. Tr- look. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be as nice as possible. My camera was sent in on the 21st. They got it on the 22nd. I waited a week. And I, I called and said, hey, by the way, what's going on with my camera? Oh, it's on the it's on the bench now. And then I get this I get this service uh, thing that that the that the oh by the way my ERR message came back. They got this thing say oh well you you probably you probably took the battery out while you had the camera on. Okay, do you not know your own cameras? Because why would someone take the battery out? while the camera was on. Obviously there may be a connection issue. But that's okay. I said, "Hey, what about the scratched sensor or hot filter?" "Oh, well, we're looking at that." A couple days later, Christine calls. "Uh, no, no, no. I think you called. You called and told him that." And then the next day I get a message saying, "Hey, your error message is fixed. How do you want to proceed?" So I called them back and I said, "You do know that there's that that the error message was nothing." I need you to fix the scratched sensor. Oh, okay. We'll get it back on the on the bench. Um, I wait another several days. Yesterday I called. Oh, it's still on the bench. I mean, granted, they've had it two weeks now. It's still on the bench. You'll have and you'll have information by the end of the day. The lady I talked to, and and, and I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because everybody I've talked to has been amazing and been nice. And been concerned, and you know every you know like like when I finally get somebody to listen to me and and tell them what's going. Oh my God, that's terrible! That should have never happened. We're going to fix that for you for free. I'm going to stay on your project until it gets done, and then the ball gets dropped. I'm not blaming the people. I'm blaming their communications system or whatever. However they communicate, it's god awful. It needs to be fixed. Yeah. Um. So finally, after that guy drops the ball and another guy drops the ball on getting me a UPS label, like I said, I sent it in. Anyway, I get him. I, I, I call the lady yesterday. It was Friday yesterday. I call the lady yesterday. I speak to a, yet another new person. Here's my story. Extremely frustrated. I'm, I don't know what to do. This is my main shooter. This is my main camera. Thankfully, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of in, in, in tintype mode and, and I'm not, I'm not shooting digitally as, as much. Got a backup, no problem, but come on. It's now been since the uh, middle of June. Oh, okay, well, you'll have something by the end of the day. 
by the end of the day, before they close, I get a message to my support ticket that clearly says my camera is a Nikon D850. I get a message saying, hey, by the way, what's the serial number of your Nikon Z611163? So you lost my camera. So since the 22nd, when nothing happened with it, you've been, when I, when, when, you called, Christine, when Christine called, and you've been telling me it's on the bench and keep telling me. Look, Nikon technicians, at, at least in the beginning, they were fast. With When the camera r- arrived, they had it on the bench that same day. So the lady, told, the lady told me several lies. She told me, oh, it's on the bench. Oh, I said, hey, what's going on? We're going on two weeks. Oh, well, we're really busy. And then you come back and ask me for this. You're on my camera. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to assume but there's only one reason I can think of in my mind why you're asking me, by the way, what's the serial number of my, of my wrong model number camera? And that's because you haven't been able to find the damn box since the 22nd and since we called you a week later. And we've called you f- three or four times since then. We call at least twice a week. I am finally messaged her back. I said, let's be straight. Have you guys been lying to me since the, the first time I called you to tell you, by the way, my camera's been there a week. Because how else would you be be messaging me? And I said, I want to speak to a manager. I, ne- I need a manager to contact. This needs to be escalated. I need a manager to call me Monday morning. Gave my telephone number. Because, it, because y- y'all are going to send me a new camera. If you can't find my camera, I need a new camera. And I tell you what, it'll be the last Nikon I buy. I hate to say that because I'm enjoying, you know, I can't say Nikon's better than Canon or Canon's better than Nikon. I think they're both great. They always kind of duke it out. And one body is 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 great one year and one body innovates the next year. And it, it's always a back and forth. The Nikon build quality has always been spectacular, just like Canon has. But the problem is, is if I can't buy a piece of gear, and I, I still need to look this up. I'm not entirely sure. I still need to look this up because I don't entirely know if Nikon pulled the ability for other authorized service centers to to repair Nikon gear or not. I saw it. But if that is true, it'll be the last, you know, when we're we were thinking about going mirrorless at the end of this year. And 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 then, you know, moving the moving the 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 second shooter bodies down the line and putting the D eight fifties where the, you know, where the D five hundreds are. But the thing is, is if I can't be guaranteed that your service department is is and and I like I said I, I hate using the word competent competent, but you whatever whatever system you have in place for for your communications because nothing I don't think anybody's read my service report, and I included several pages of printout and I even wrote a synopsis of hey here's what's going on, no one read it. What it, what it makes sense now that no one read it because they lost my damn camera, potentially, so. I I don't know what's going on. Maybe they lost my camera. Maybe they didn't lose my camera. But I'm 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 beyond frustrated. I am way beyond frustrated. And and it sucks because we bought all new lenses for the Nikon system. I got to find out if there's a mirrorless body that will take Nikon series lenses. And and I I I want to I want to give people the opportunity to to wow me but every step of the way i've been severely disappointed i'm not going to say that they can't come out and wow me and say oh well please give us another chance 
I guarantee that um, I don't want them to treat me any different. I want them to fix the problem so that everyone is treated better. Because I've heard from so many Nikon shooters and so many past Nikon shooters since going saying that, yeah, I left Nikon because of their service. Or, yeah, I sent a camera in the Nikon. It was terrible. I will never send service into the game. I mean, this is, this is not new. So come on, guys. Just, just do it. Anyway. Fix rant. your system and Yeah, everybody I talk to is great. Everybody I talk to is great. They have good intentions. Oh, I'm going to fix. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this case. Okay. Guy from three people ago, four people ago. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Are you still in my case? Because I haven't heard anything from you. And so I don't know. That's 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 my rant. Okay. That's my rant over. Now, where were we before we started this? We were what gear we took and what we put in our hotel room, and then we were getting to John's. Yeah. Anyway, we we got. Uh, yeah, we we got everything into the car, uh, everything out of the car into the hotel, and we had we had a good time. I, I have a little white noise. We didn't have any problem with noise, but we there was a you know there was like a highway, there was like a bridge like right nearby the hotel or or something, and uh, and I just you know we turn on the white noise machine on on my on my cell phone just just in case. I, I can't remember what we were watching. We were watching some Food Network show, or... something. Yeah, and then we got up. We wanted to get up early Friday morning, but uh, that didn't happen. We kind of overslept our alarms. Or maybe we didn't turn the alarm on. I don't know. I don't think we turned them on. And uh, usually, usually we we just wake up kind of early. And uh, and yeah, we got a little got a little late. It was about well, about a forty minute drive to John's. Yeah, we got there around ten. Was it ten or eleven? I thought it was around ten. Anyway, yeah, somewhere we get there. there. And uh, and we just kind of we just kind of drive around. We we found. Uh, we found out where our friend Steve uh, Steve with uh, Modern Day Antiques is, and and he makes reproduction uh, cases for tin types and daguerreotypes, and he does a he does a great job at that. Uh, so we uh, we found a spot next to him, set up the canopy, which is just you know or just modern ten by ten canopy. the The place where John's farm is usually is is subject to a lot of winds. So we, you know, we we staked it down really well, and we, and we parked the, um, we parked the, the the pilot micro camper behind it, so that it had a little bit of overhang in case it rained, and they were calling for rain, and everywhere we stepped, it was, it was, it wasn't wet ground, and in fact, it it took a while for us to get in there. And we kind of we kind of drove back and forth in in the pilot's mud mode, which by the way is an absolute lifesaver. We drove back and forth and tried to push the the ground down because it was really ruddy, and the 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 you could tell the ground was saturated, but it wasn't wet. And when you stepped on a, a rut to try to push it down, it just it just springed right back. <laughs> and that's why I told Christina, I says, you know, there's that's probably ninety percent poo. <laughs> probably, probably, <laughs> but we got everything set up. And we and we had a we had a heck of a good time. The we, one thing we were concerned about was getting water to make the wet plates and for rinsing the cyanotypes in. Oh no! And we were asking, we asked John, we're like, where can we get some water nearby? Well, start with last year. Last year we went either to Watkins Glen, or 
Well, so let me let me step back in for that. First year in the town where 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 John lives, there used to be a grocery store that had a a water spigot on the on the side that they allowed people to fill up bottles. That was they changed hands, and that no longer is something that's afforded to people. So last year, I'm pretty sure. Excuse me, not last year, three years ago, because we go every other year. Or every other year would have been last year, which was the thing. And three years ago, there was a little park. I can't remember if it was in the town or if it was in Watkins Glen where you can go down there and and there was a park and they had a hose and a spigot and you could fill up water there. Well, John didn't remember where that was or maybe somebody else told us where that was. He says, oh, well, you can just pull water out of the pond. He's got a nice – he's got a cute little pond there with with one of those – you know, hand pumps. And he says, oh, you just, you know, just got to prime the pump. So you, you pour water in the top of the pump. You, you push the pump all the way down. You pour water in there. And as you pull it up, it, it seals it and it starts the siphon to bring up over the pump. And pond water smells as terrible as it sounds because it smelled absolutely terrible. And we filled our, we filled our buckets with this and it was murky it was clean. It just was murky. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to be rinsing plates and cyanotypes in this. And it, it worked out just fine. It did. It, it kind of, it kind of goes back to the whole, like I talk about John, you know, mixing chemistry with chickens and, and, and cats running around the fact that you don't need, uh, you don't need distilled water for, uh, for everything. Now, when you're mixing chemistry, yeah, distilled water is a good thing to have, but it just it just shows that uh, that we we pamper our our art a lot by giving you know, and and in some places distilled water is, is a little bit more expensive than you know a little bit more expensive than we we pay for here, but we don't always need to go to the crazy the crazy lens. Now, does that mean I'm going to stop using distilled water for a lot of things? No, I'm just saying that. When we were out there, we had no problem using using the stuff that was that was available to us, which was was murky pond water. Yeah, it was pretty good. It it was great. Um, we got set up that day, and there wasn't a whole lot more going on. We checked, we visited some with all all our friends. We John made a couple plates, I think. I made. Well, I set the I set the dark box up. Because when I get out there, it's such a cool, relaxed atmosphere. You kind of like just taking it in. And I, I make I make a few plates, but I don't make a ton. And I wanted to make one plate just to say I made a plate every day, and I made a plate of the, um, of the pond of the pond pump. And uh, and we'll we'll share we'll share the the plates uh, the plate scans that we had, but I I made a plate of the pond pump. Did I make two? No, no. I, I made a play of the pond pump, and I was trying to make a, a negative. I'm trying a new a new negative recipe, and um, and I had always I had always done it one way, and I'm trying it a different way, and so I I, I was putzing around, and I I didn't like I didn't like what I was getting, and uh, and I wiped the plate, and I think that was the end of the day. Yeah. I think I made one plate on glass. I didn't like it. I wiped it, and. And by then it was, it was time to start cooking dinner. Yeah. And Christine, you put did you put it in the Hot Logic or did you put it in the Road Pro? 
That was the night of the Hot Logic, the I hot believe. Logic. That was the and the Hot Logic is. Go ahead. That was the night we had red beans mm-hmm. and rice mi- and kibasi. Yep. And the Hot Logic is is kind of like a sous vide but dry, where it's a it's an insulated lunch bag kind of thing. It's got a hot plate in the bottom, and it doesn't get above a one sixty six. Good enough to cook uh, meats and to cook things, but it will never burn it. You can set something, and we've talked about this before, but you can set something in there. You can set, put a frozen lasagna in there if you want and hook it up, and 10 hours later, it's it's going to be ready for you. Three hours later, it's going to be ready for you, but it's not going to burn. It's just going to keep it at that, at that temperature, safe temperature, whatever. And, um, and, yeah, that was good. And Christine, she throws in, I think it's Uncle Ben's rice. Was it the microwavable or the boil pack or something? The microwavable pack, I believe. Just dumps it all in there. It's already moistened. It's already wet. And then dumped in, you know, she she sliced up the kielbasa and uh, put the lid on a little, little Pyrex dish that fits in there perfectly. Put the lid on that sucker. And, uh, and man, that was, that was really good. And while dinner was cooking, you sent the drone up. Oh, I did. I sent the drone up Friday. Yeah, Friday afternoon. And I got a couple photos of... Uh, of of everybody there, and I, I I I wanted to get it done because typically, as I said, wind is a factor. And while it was breezy, it was kind of on that cusp of mm, maybe I shouldn't fly. While it was breezy, I was able to send it up and get some get some photos, and I got some good photos of camp. Yeah, and that worked out. We ate. We went. Uh, we grabbed our chairs. Went up to the campfire, and. Had a good time. I I left early to go back to the the car just because I was I was tired. Um, I was kind of sitting a little bit away from the fire. There was there was one spot left, and and I let Christine have that so that she can she can stay warm. So I was getting I was getting chilly, even though even though you know we had we had sweatpants and sweatshirt and a jacket on it, and it. It was it was it's it's unseasonably cool for that for that time even though it is usually cool up there anyway, and I went back to the micro camper and I set up we we had already had the bed set up we had already had the platform set up everything was set up perfectly, and boy that night sucked. <laughs> I I became so discouraged because we we got to we were we were we were staying with our heads towards the back of the vehicle. We were a little bit on a hill, so we were we were kind of with our heads lower than our feet. We didn't crack a window. I woke up at midnight, and I was almost panicking because I always joke in the micro camper. You know, as long as you don't think to yourself, "I'm in a coffin," you're okay. Well, I thought to myself, "We're in a coffin." I I I, I didn't freak out. Freak out. I kept I kept my composure to a point. But I started kind of tossing and turning. It was stuffy. Everything was was just with the condensation from our breath and the humidity from our breath. Everything was just the the air was heavy. I, I look up and you know a foot above my face, I see the I see the the top of the micro camper. I look up and I see the the back of the micro camper, and we have the and we have those little um I don't know if they're weather tech or or whatever. But we have those little uh, things that that are perfectly fit for the windows, so I can't see out. I couldn't see out anyway because everything was condensated. So I I turned around and I had to get out of that car. Christine's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm good. I got to go to the bathroom. So I get up. I, I, I open the door and get my shoes on and, and run to the bathroom and come back. And and I, I just tell her, it's like, I, it's, it's too stuffy in here. I got to turn around. And we op- we cracked a window. We have those little plastic things that go over the windows anyway. So if it rains, it's not going to get in. So we cracked a window. Everything cleared out. The air cleared out. We switched positions. I put my head up by the seats, which is stupid me, which is completely wide open. And then I, I pulled the uh, I pulled the little uh, reflective thing off the side window so that I can look out. And then we opened up the we have one of those panoramic moon roofs, which are just stupidly large. <laughs> but the cool thing was I got up just as the moon rose on the horizon. And you could see you could see as as far as the horizon east as you as you could. And this moon was completely blood red. It was like, wow. And I didn't really want to wake Chris up any more than I already has. But I said, Chris, you you got to see this. You got to peel that thing off in the back. And hopefully you can see through the window. And it was it was really cool. I'm like, I'm thinking like, what in the hell is that? And uh, it's like, oh, that's the, you know, thankfully it was, you know, they had the curvature of the moon because it was like that. Was, I've never seen red that, that pronounced. It was beautiful. But we, we get back and, um. I get back and I sleep and and I just am starting to remember like the the feeling I had of being cooped up and it's like nope 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 I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay and in addition with my with my rotator cuff injury it's um it was just tough because my right arm can, you know has a very limited range of movement I need to hoist myself up on my my weaker arm which is my left arm and uh and it just it just was a bad situation and it it really got it really messed me up on saturday because i'm sitting here thinking like am i going to be okay tonight i mean I, all day i was thinking about that and thankfully we did you know once we switched everything around we we were i was okay what we you know we we made sure to leave a little bit of uh, a little bit of airflow i was perfectly fine i think you were okay I was okay both nights, really. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to at your feet, so I flipped around also. But mm-hmm. um, I slept good both nights, I think. And I like sleeping on my right shoulder, so I'm I'm already uncomfortable as it is, and my right shoulder is the one that's got the injury. So uh, you know, being a tosser and a turner, and you know, being in such a cooped up space, yeah, it's. Had I not had the shoulder injury, I probably wouldn't have had a problem. Still, I probably would have woke up and said, hey, it's stuffy. Um, the cool thing about the the pilot is that we keep the keys with us where our heads are. So I could have pushed a button and it would have opened up the canopy. And we have a bug net, but it was it was just way too cold. We couldn't have kept open that canopy. Now the cool thing is, is that you can you can hold the button on the on the on the back and you can then open the the tailgate to as much as you want or as little as you want. But, um, but yeah, man, you know, that would be for summer camping, but this was way too cold and I didn't want to open up the back because that's where Christine was. And I was trying not to wake her up, but yeah, um, Saturday night was perfectly fine. Got through fine. I still tossed and turned, but it didn't have any of those. Like I'm in a damn coffin panic attacks. Yeah. 
And then we were thinking about staying one more day, but we'll get to Sunday after we do Saturday. Yeah. Um, we had a shootout, and that was something John, I think John told us about on Friday, but I don't think we got to it until Saturday. Yeah, we didn't do it till Saturday. Yeah, because um, uh, Mike, uh, Mike with Artcraft Chemicals... Uh, another another place that's uh, on the east coast that if you're if you're over here they're they're absolutely fantastic for all your photography chemicals he um he caters he caters lunch on saturday which is which is absolutely great yeah and um the shootout was right before lunch and John told us about it on friday now i've never been on a shootout before and we and we did video and and when this goes out to um, uh, our, our supporters, uh, the subscription, the subscribers and the Patreon people, you already have access to the video, but, um, but everybody else will, the video will go live on our YouTube page on Tuesday. And what it is, is everybody stands in a circle and everybody photographs the person across from them. And you're so far, you're so far across, you're pretty much photographing two, maybe three people. Right. Well, uh, we get set up. And uh, and we're we're pretty far away from you know where the where the you know the, where the main area was because we had gotten there so late, and we set up, took the camera, ran back, got a plate, got a plate made, and and thankfully Christine was was videotaping uh, this, and I and I talk about going through the process and kind of what I'm thinking, and we had a little bit of a false start when uh, when John said, uh, "Okay, get ready, get set." And you were supposed to have your your shutter open so that the person across from you had a photo of you with your shutter open. So I mean, I'm you know I'm timing it and I open the shutter up and he's like, oh wait a minute, and it's like, oh damn. So it was my it was completely my fault. I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like in the video that I'm that I'm throwing John under the bus, but uh, but it was completely my fault. And uh, and we got like a ghosted we got like a ghosted double image. And, uh, but I, I was happy with the exposure. We went a little bit on the, we went a little bright, which was, which was okay because I mean, we had, we had blacks where we had blacks. So, but, uh, you know, giving it a half second and then closing it real quick and then, and then exposing it again, uh, we were in the middle of trees and the sun was kind of, you know, weaving in and out of the clouds, but, um, but it was fun. But you'll, if you, if you go over to our YouTube channel or, uh, we'll, we'll post it on, uh, the podcast Facebook page, and we'll post it on the photography page as well on Tuesday. But you can kind of see see what that all entailed. But that was a lot of fun. That was the first time that I had ever done one of those. I also did a three hundred and sixty. Oh, Christine that. did. I put that in the video, by the way. I don't know if you've, yeah, you've watched I saw the video that. yet. I, I saw but it. But I put a scan of the plate in there that we made, and then I put Christine's three hundred and sixty uh, in there, which uh, which was a lot of fun. Saturday. Um, Saturday night we went to the campfire again, and what did we have Saturday? Uh, Saturday, Christine cooked in what's called a road pro, yes. and and I had I had recommended why don't we cook chili? And this is a kind of an old thing from from forever forever ago. But you you you, you kind of was it called a chili cornbread casserole? Something like that. And you you put chili on the bottom of your of your like Pyrex dish or whatever. And then you pour cornbread mix on top. And we did that in the Road Pro. And the Road Pro is bottom heat. And, and the Road Pro is not like the Hot Logic where it, it stays at a certain temperature. It won't burn. 
No, the Road Pro goes to 300 degrees and it will burn the heck out of whatever you got if you don't pay attention to it. Well, she put the, the chili in and the cornbread and the cornbread just never wanted to set up. No. But it was okay because we mixed that cornbread batter and we didn't use eggs. The, corn, the, the, the cornbread box said, uh, oh, what did it say? It says um, milk and milk and eggs, right? Yeah. It says uh, one egg and a third cup of milk. Right. Well, what what we did was, and, and by the way, you just completely put a bunch of carriage returns in the, Sorry. In the document. That's okay. My I, screen went blank. I was just trying to... Okay. Well, that's why. That's why I'm now fixing fixing the notes. Um, it never set up, so we mixed it in with the chili, and it was it was actually pretty good. But not having any eggs in there, we you know we were like, okay, well, we just made we just made it with water and milk, milk whatever. I just used and it milk. Was good. We got back, and we had half a box of the cornbread mix, and we had a, another can of chili, and we tried it here at the house. And and we found a better way to do it. And and if you if you happen to have one, the Road Pro we have like this little metal grate that lifts the uh, these foil little little bread pans up off the bottom. And um, what we did was uh, Christine she she buttered the pan or, or or used cooking spray, and then did the cornbread first, and then we cooked it until that set up. Flipped it out, put the chili in, flopped the cornbread back on top, and then and then heated the chili, and that was perfect. Mm-hmm. And this cornbread mix it, it called for milk and eggs, and we just used water, and it was perfectly good. Yeah, it was very good. It was with a Jiffy, the Jiffy brand. Yeah, the Jiffy brand, and we just put the the amount of milk in 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 water instead, and it was it was absolutely good. It worked just fine. Would it have been better if we had milk, butter, eggs, whatever? Yeah, probably. But if you're ever out there camping and you don't want to have eggs and you don't want to have milk, you're you know you can you can make it happen. And speaking of, um, we did have our our um, twelve volt refrigerator. We had our solar generator out there. We had our solar panels. We had no problem with with um, with with keeping the uh, the solar generator charged up. Because we parked in a direction where the sun came up, the sun came up behind us and it set in front of us. And we always put a, uh, we like parking that way because since we keep the refrigerator, freezer, and the solar generator in the car, we we kind of run one of those solar panels to the to the dashboard. And the pilot's dashboard is large. But when when we talk about leaving on Sunday, we left with both solar cells on the dashboard, and it it was not a hindrance whatsoever. So you could drive with this essentially if we have a problem. But we we put the solar cell in the window, and then as the sun came over, it started lighting it up. We had a hundred percent on that solar generator the entire time, and we were running the we were running the refri- the freezer in refrigerator mode, which doesn't which doesn't really kill much battery anyway and then we were charging up our didn't charge up the laptop because i I had no room to really work on the laptop but we charged all all our phones we charged the gopros we charged the the pockets we charged all of our media stuff did you ever charge any camera batteries no yeah i don't think you did i didn't even bring the charger i I didn't think i'd 
I had my extras with me, but okay. I never changed batteries. Good. So that was that was good, and and just having that was fantastic. Didn't have to worry about ice. Uh, we kept. Oh no, I forgot about the the Moxie incident. <laughs> I am a I am a sucker for a a soft drink called Moxie, and it was invented in like the eighteen fifties. It's one of the world's oldest mass-produced sodas. In 2005, it became the official soda of Maine, the state Maine in the United States. And we had a friend, uh, shout out to, uh, uh, to uh, Albert, and he brought a case down and I fell in love with this soda immediately. And you don't just love, you don't just like, oh, Moxie, that's okay. You either love it or you absolutely hate it. I love it. It's the it's it's better than anything. And if, to describe the taste, it's like the mix between a a root beer and a cola with maybe a a hint of licorice, maybe? Yeah, it's kind I've of seen, hard to explain. I've I've heard people talk licorice, but I, I if I think licorice when I drink it because not many people like licorice, black licorice. If I think licorice when I drink it, I'm like, "Oh, maybe a little bit." But I never tasted licorice in this before I read somebody saying licorice. So if you if you don't like black licorice and you get a chance to try a bottle or a can of Moxie, still try to give it a, a shot. <clears throat> well, it's only available up in New England, but there is a bottling company in the town of Catawissa, Pennsylvania, that actually bottles for the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola bought them out. Nobody's happy about that move. And I think there will be riots if Coca-Cola decides to kill off Moxie. But Moxie is doing well in New England. So hopefully, I'm hoping the the acquisition by the Coca-Cola company maybe gets it into more stores so that people can learn to try it and possibly love it. But anyway, <laughs> this, this place, they bottle the plastic two-liter bottles. But I like the cans. Not only because I think cans are better. You can recycle cans, but... I love the design of it because you got this like 1950s guy with a with a tie on. It's a totally a retro looking like caricature of a guy. I call this bottling company because they also sell the cans. When they get their shipments, they get cans in. So I said, "Hey, I need I want 5 cases of Moxie." And Christine likes the Diet Moxie. We get out there and I kind of thought it was weird that it wasn't in the showroom. We get in there, we buy it. And the bill was like a hundred bucks, and I'm thinking to myself, for seven cases of Moxie, that's kind of expensive. But I've been seeing it online, kind of go up in price. So yeah, whatever. It is what it is. So I'm thinking, okay, what's that? I think it came out to like a dollar fifty a can or whatever. Yeah, whatever. And uh, we get out there, and a guy's bringing this big uh, hand truck, fourteen cases. Well, when I said case, I assumed a case was the 12 cans because it's the fridge case. Well, no, they 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 assume case as in case is 24 cans. So you get two fridge boxes and we didn't have the room for this. I put uh, I think I put three fridge packs down at my feet. Uh, I think I had one fridge pack on my lap while we drove. Um, when we met with a friend in uh, in Havana Glen, uh, Havana Glen State Park, we gave her a <laughs> we gave hey by the way, try this. What do you think? Here, have a half case. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And Christine was like, you're going to have to drink a bunch of Moxie. And I'm like, really? That's so disappointing. I had no problem with it at all. You were happy. I was happy. But uh, but yeah, we have way too much Moxie. <sighs> That's fun. But once we reorganized, I made it all fit much better. And Well, once we get out of, once we, we get a lot of our food out of there, and once we got, um, you know, our cases of water, it, it it was so much easier. It was so much easier. And let's let's talk about Sunday. Saturday night comes around. We sit by the campfire, and John, ever you know, being the ever gracious host, he reads he reads a section out of a, a book called "London Labor and the London Poor" by Henry Mayhew, and one of them is. Uh, street photography. One of the the links. Let me see if I can. It's under the it's under the street folk, street artists, and the first one there is street photography. Uh, no, no, no. There's a street photography, and then there's one called Statement of a Photographic Man. And John reads that. Oh, there's one in here for uh, silhouette artists. I'm about oh, to send that cool. to. Uh, I'm about to send it to Laura. At um, what is Laura's website? Let me give a shout out to Laura. Laura well, she's silhouettes by hand, right? Yes. Yes. Laura, uh, I, I think, so, I'm sorry, Laura. Laura Mooney? Yes. Mooney. M-U-N-E-Y. And she has silhouettes by hand where she goes to events and she hand cuts. She doesn't use, she doesn't trace you or stencil you. She looks at your face. Sorry, sorry uh, Lauren, for uh, having to look at my face so long and, and cut me a, an amazing silhouette. But she cuts by hand these amazing silhouettes. And if you send her a photo, this is such a unique gift for people. If you send her a digital photo and she has uh, she has either the instructions on her website or she'll send you instructions on what to send her. Send a photo of a, in silhouette of somebody. She will hand cut it and then she will send it to you, especially during the thing. She, you know, she's she's been she's been kicking butt. And these silhouettes are amazing. They really are. But but there's there's my shout out to Lauren. We um John reads from this this section of this book, which is kind of funny because it goes into uh, this guy who gets into street photography and studio photography and kind of shystering people a little bit. Yeah. And he you know, kind of fake it until you make it is the story behind this guy. Not that I think anybody should do this today. But back when photography was new, that was kind of one of their things, and there was a lot of shystering going on. Where if a photo was way too dark, they said, "Oh, well, you you know, I'm going to wrap it up." Or they would they would make they wouldn't show the people the photo before they gave it to them, and they would wrap it if it if it was a bad photo, they would wrap it up and say, "Oh, you know, leave it out, leave it at, leave it in this for a couple of days for it to for it to develop." And when we talk about we talk about photographs, you, no, that just doesn't happen. But um, and then and then they they had all these kind of gimmicks for bringing people in and what was the part where they had people uh, uh, they 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 promised to mesmerize people and then and they were like screwing they were like screwing with people which was kind of interesting where they had them look in the wrong end of the camera and then people uh, I guess it was what was it problem customers or something they had them look in the wrong end of the camera and it, it would kind of give them a headache because. They're looking through the lens to the ground glass, which you're not going to see anything but kind of light. Oh, it was kind of weird. And if and people would, 
like if photos didn't take out or if uh, if he was photographing, he knew the light was terrible, they would photograph, but they wouldn't put a plate in the camera. And then they would use some of the some of the plates that they had on display <laughs> and they would give them to the people and they would try to convince them that um, that that was really their photographic likeness, which which totally brings in the whole um, William H. Mumler kind of thing almost. Because Mumler, who was the spirit photographer in Boston, he would tell people, "Oh, well, the the, the spirits that I photographed with you, um, that really are that really is your you know your husband or your child or your parents." But they just you know the spirit world, they just don't look the same as as the physical world. <laughs> so it kind of kind of brought Mumler vibes. But I definitely recommend it. Again, it is, and it's on Gutenberg.org. And again, the name is. Let me scroll back up. Let me. I'll. I'll put a link to this in the in the show notes. London Labor and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, M A Y H E W, and it was the first edition was written in eighteen fifty one. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's a lot of p. It's a lot of things here on quote unquote street folk, um, the destroyers of vermin, street exhibitors, street musicians, street vocalists, street artists. Uh, skilled and unskilled labor, but it's it's stories of people back then, which I think is really fascinating, and I and I want to read this entire book, and that's definitely on my on my list. Yeah, it sounded interesting when John read from it. I guess he read from it at the very first jamboree or something like that, and that's why he wanted to read from it. That's really cool. But like I said, John John being such a gracious host, he he read it by the campfire, and and John's got such an amazing voice that uh, that and and he's such a He's such a wealth of knowledge that when when he speaks, you listen. Yeah, and that was really good. What else did we have? Uh, you you photographed uh, you photographed around. Thankfully, Saturday with your um, with your digital petsful lens from the Lomography Company. Yes, and you made a ton of cyanotypes. You made more cyanotypes than my I made plates, but it was really cool because you brought enough out to share with people. Yeah, and I showed at least two of the participants there and several others wanted to come over they just ran out of time it's amazing how quickly you run out of time there it is um like there were just so many activities in the middle of the day and it's mid-afternoon almost evening and we're like hey wait we didn't make any plates yet it was an absolute blur especially talking with people we met we met up with a, a lot of our old friends we made a lot of new friends um uh you know uh, shout out to, to to uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron was to the right of us. Joe was to the left of us, and uh, Chris, and his wonderful pooch Loki. Yeah, and uh, we were very excited to meet uh, to meet all of them. Um, I've got a, I've got a confession to make. What? I'm very ashamed of it. I didn't, I didn't buy a fanny pack, or I don't think I should tell anybody. I'm confused. I started a TikTok account. Oh yeah, because at Aaron's. Aaron, here's the here's the thing about TikTok. I, I hate TikTok. I don't like TikTok. Everything I've seen on it was like completely cringe-inducing. And I, I like I like a an influencer online by the name of Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's for the last year i've actually i've actually unsubscribed to him because for the last year it's been tiktok 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 and i went on there once and tried to find out where my space on tiktok would be i i didn't know what where my space was because everything i saw was people 
shaking their butts to the same song or or uh, pulling pranks on people. And I searched, and it's kind of it's kind of weird because back then I searched for photography. I searched some of the hashtags, and like nobody was doing any photography on there, as far as you know, maybe dark room or chemical or, or the things that we like to do. Well, Aaron, to Aaron comes over and he says, uh, he says, uh, he's on TikTok and he says, he's actually, you know, he's gotten so many views that he's the TikTok sends him a, a, a check, or I guess, I don't know if it's direct deposit or whatever, but they, they send him a payment every once in a while, because I guess he's monetized through the TikTok platform creators platform. And he is a tin type photographer. So it's, you know, I, I said, show me some of your videos and he showed me a couple of videos and I'm like, Hmm, I'm skeptical. Let me download the app and let me look. And I was still skeptical. And then I, I made a, I made a login and I already had a video that we had taken earlier of pulling a plate and, and fixing it and the, and the whoosh of, of the fixer and within what like 2 hours we had 500 views yeah and i'm like hmm let me play with it some more and uh, and we made another video the next day and it took a little bit longer but it got 500 views and i i don't know if that's good or bad for tiktok but but whatever and then last night right before actually right before you came in last night i made a video on your star tracker and how we fix the button uh-huh. thinking let me do let me do this and see see i'm trying to throw a bunch of stuff at at this platform and see what works but yeah i'm 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 severely ashamed of it i haven't told any of my friends or family <laughs> christine's the only one that knows well she was there <laughs> but i haven't told any of my any of my friends uh friends at the lounge or friends at uh you know i haven't told any of my friends yet i may not may not i don't know but anyway that's that's my that's my story if you were on tiktok you like tiktok whatever it just was it's just not a thing for me just like instagram i feel bad for instagram because i post things there but i don't just scroll and the only reason that is is because facebook bought instagram and they've crammed so many ads in that platform that it makes it un, it makes it unenjoyable to to scroll and see what's going on that's the only reason I don't like Instagram. I liked, I used to like scrolling, but when you have an ad every two or three posts, it just completely ruins it for me. Um, getting back to that, oh, we did start doing a video on Christine doing the cyanotypes, but um, but that uh, we didn't finish that because we thought we had Sunday, and Saturday night comes by, we had the chili and cornbread dinner. We went by the, the fire. John read from the book. We came back, and I was kind of concerned about the quality of sleep that night. I slept great. I mean, the, the, the normal tossing and turning, the normal, like, waking up, where am I? I'm in a coffin. Look out to the left or look to the, look to the moon roof or, or kind of. And I even looked, like, up. Like I would turn my head and look up to the passenger compartment to see all that space, and and I was fine instantly. And I had a couple extra windows open that night. Yeah, Christine opened up more windows, and it was fine. I actually was hot that night. I remember, uh, I remember getting rid of my my sweat sweatpants sweatshirt, and I think I lost uh, I lost a few other items 
before I um I think I kicked off the I think I kicked off uh, every but but the sheet or something. <laughs> but it was uh yeah, it was it was a good night. It was a good sleep. We uh I didn't want to get up in the next the next morning though. But we finally got up and um a problem is going to be getting changed. We need to we still need to figure that out. Problem is going to be getting changed because I I I shed a, I shed quite a bit of clothing that that night just because of how warm it was, um, and it was like I'm looking out and I'm seeing everybody's you know there's everybody's up and out up and about and I'm like hmm well I'm going to have to get dressed laying down in a coffin, but we have to find a way to maybe open up the uh, maybe put something on the canopy so that the, or the back the back door so that the back door opens up and maybe have a have a sheet that that kind of goes around I don't know I don't know what how we're going to fix that, but we're going to have to figure something out there. That's why I took our shower with us that we usually use for like showers, but I figured we could get changed in it, but you, had to, never... you have to be clothed in order to go in to get, yeah. to get changed into something else. And that just didn't happen that yeah. Sunday morning. We get up Sunday morning and we're, we're considering, we want to stay another night somewhere. And the thought was we were going to ask John, Hey John, can we stay another night? Because a couple other people said they were staying until Monday. And I, I, you know, John probably wouldn't have had a problem with that, but the problem was, is we got up and we look at the radar and there's a massive cloud of red storm, you know, on the radar, red coming our way. And, uh, we were starting to hear the thunder and we're like, uh Oh, let's get everything in and kind of see if it passes. Well, the problem was, is the radar goes for so far, but then it shows, you know, clouds just materializing and it just was, it was going to be a never ending just mess a storm. So we we started we started packing up as quickly as we could, and there were some t- there were some bouts of rain where we had to close the, we had to close the vehicle up and stand in the middle of the the canopy because it was coming in sideways. We got soaked. the 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 whole field was flooded. I was worried about getting stuck because another person had gotten stuck on Thursday and needed John to get his tractor to tow him out, and um, so I, I moved. As soon as we got all the tables in, and we we kind of willy nilly threw stuff in, which I was worried about because we were overfilled on the way out. But we got everything in, and uh, and I I moved the vehicle backwards a little bit so that um, so that I, we were in a, on a fresh part of of ground, and then got more stuff in, and then when it was just the canopy left, the ten by ten pop up canopy, I moved the vehicle back. And I, t- I turned around and I turned the vehicle towards the the getting out of the field and I backed up and I said, okay, well, the first the first time we get a law in the rain, we're going to pop this canopy closed and throw it in the back and we're just going to get in the back, get in the vehicle and, and go. And we were we were soaked. The doors were soaked. Um, we had the two solar panels. Since we were throwing everything in, we didn't want to close the solar panels up and, and potentially kind of smack into them with something. So we left both solar panels on the, on the dash and we just drove. We, and it, and the, we, we drove, uh, we waited until we got out of the storm. The, the pilot just pulled out of the mud just perfectly. We, we found John on the way out, rolled our window down and said, thank you so much for the, the great weekend in the shower. And, uh, I'm going to send him, I'm going to send him a letter thanking him again because, uh, I didn't want him standing out in the rain and we really did want to stay a little longer, but we were drenched. Our feet were soaked. 
And and the problem was now that we had everything in the vehicle, and I think we left at what eleven thirty. We were we were yeah. out by eleven eleven thirty or so. We wanted to stay another night, and we had a bunch of places that we could have gone that had dispersed camping or maybe even stayed in the campground, but we had already packed everything up. We would have had to take a lot of stuff out of the vehicle and just set it outside in order to sleep on the beds because this stuff wouldn't have just fit in the the passenger uh, and the driver's seat because we already had things in the passenger and uh, passenger seat. Christine was carrying a couple things when I was driving out, but we got to... Uh, we got out of the storm. We got to a gas station. We uh, closed up the solar cells. On the way back, we go to a place called um, Skeeter's Barbecue at Sh- in Shemokin Dam, Pennsylvania. S-H-M-O-K-I-N. S-C-H-S-H. I don't know. Shemokin Dam, Pennsylvania. And Skeeter's Barbecue is on top of the hill. It's great. I think we, we either talked about it last week with the after show. No. Did we talk about it at all? I don't remember. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Food. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah, because we, uh, I think we did, we re-recorded the podcast uh, Sunday night oh, when we got right. back. Yeah. We talked about, I think, either either here in a podcast or in the after show, and that's really good. And they must do a great business because they're on, in prime real estate on the top of a hill. We could see everything, but this is just really good barbecue. Yeah, we ordered what we thought was going to be lunch, and it ended up being both lunch and dinner. So yeah. that was perfect. It was good. But we got home. It was only five hours to get home. Yeah. And we figured, let's just go home. Uh, we were able to get everything out of the vehicle. Um, everything was was kind of soaked. So we brought uh, – we were lucky because we took the time to clean off the feet of the chairs and the table as, as best as we could because then we can just bring the stuff in the house. And it was going to rain anyway. Here, we brought the stuff in the house and we hung up the canopy. We hung up the, the 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 top of the canopy. We pulled all that off, and then we had our uh, we had our, our our chairs, which um, which weren't as wet. We got those we got those in the bags and in the car kind of quick. Mine had a pro- Mine had a ripped uh, ripped thing, so I I fixed that. Um, but yeah, now now we're good. We're ready for the next event. And I think uh, I think we're gonna take a day trip in the next couple of days at sometime during the middle of the week, and then we have, uh, as I said, we have Key City on thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, and then PA Steam Fest, which is uh, oh I don't know whatever those dates were I gave you. That's Saturday. And we're looking Sunday. forward to it. Yeah. So uh, my question of the day is. Uh, this place is kind of like, uh, kind of like a, I don't know, the camaraderie of having people, a bunch of creative people in one spot. And not only were there tin typists there, there was a, uh, a lady doing uh, lumen prints. Um, uh, our friend Deb was there, and she was, uh, I think she was, she was doing some uh, embroidery work. And a lot of other people were there. Christine was making cyanotypes. She was making. I think. Did you make any anthotypes? No, not yeah. this week. I tried making a, a, a chlorophyll print, but I I thought about it at the very end of the day, and it I just didn't get it didn't get it working. And the problem was is the next day was Sunday, and we just couldn't do anything on Sunday. So, what I want to hear from you guys is: have, do you go to an event, or do you have a group of friends that get together that are just interested in creating something, being creative, 
I don't care if it's if it's photography. It could be uh, musicians. It could be uh, writing a book. It could be all getting together and underwater basket weaving. There are a lot of things that you can do together as a creative kind of uh, uh, kind of group of people, and you and you feed on that creativity. So I want to hear from you. You can message us through our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. And as always, your comments might just make it into a future episode. As always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us and all the love and support we've received from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon and subscription supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You get our shows early with our supporters only after show all without ads. You also get a lot of our early stuff like our uh, our YouTube video and a lot of things we also post to uh, the Patreon and the supporter Facebook page that we don't post anywhere else. Be sure to check out our other supporter tiers as well, which are geared towards bringing you along on our darkroom projects with great rewards. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 55 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation to other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Miller, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on Patreon or our supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.